Welcome to Lit Poetry, the podcast where we go on a journey of discovery, reading, analyzing, and discussing great poetry from around the world. Poetry is worth it because the reading and writing of poetry is a revolutionary act that has the potential to transform both the reader and our world. Welcome to Season 1 of the Lit Poetry Podcast. I'm James Laidler, Australian poet and writer and your host. In today's episode, we'll be fanning the flames of love and loss with the beautiful yet haunting poem, Seventh Circle of Earth, by Ocean Vong. This is a stunning poem, visceral, sensual, disturbing and deep. A poem written in response to a news report the poet read about a male gay couple who were burned to death by immolation in their own home in Texas in 2011. When I first read this poem, I was transfixed by its raw intensity and hypnotic power, by its ability to focus in on the hot, glowing embers of love being experienced by two men in a world consumed by the fires of hate. When I meditate on the poem, for some strange reason, campfires keep popping into my head. But let me explain. I keep picturing in my mind's eye a campfire that's just been put out by those sitting around it as they prepare to head to their tents for bed. I then picture myself the next morning, waking up and walking over to the still smouldering pit. A quick prod of a stick quickly scrapes away a layer of ash to reveal the still pulsating hot orange embers beneath. You see, this is my own way of personally making sense of these men's love for one another. My experience with campfires allows me to see past the burning house in the poem in order to see what's underneath all of the destruction. Something subterranean, yes, but something stubbornly aglow and radiating with a love that simply refuses to be extinguished. But enough of me, you haven't even heard the poem yet. So without further ado, I give you Seventh Circle of Earth by Ocean Vong. April 27, 2011, a gay couple, Michael Humphrey and Clayton Capshaw, was murdered by immolation in their home in Dallas, Texas, from the Dallas Voice. Seventh Circle of Earth by Ocean Vuong. As if my finger, tracing your collarbone behind closed doors, was enough to erase myself, to forget. We built this house knowing it won't last. How does anyone stop regret without cutting off his hands? Another torch streams through the kitchen window. Another errant dove. It's funny. 
I always knew. I'd be warmest beside my man. But don't laugh. Understand me when I say I burn best when crowned with your scent. That earth sweat and the old spice I seek out each night. The days refuse me. Our faces blackening in the photographs along the wall. Don't laugh. Just tell me the story again of the sparrows who flew from falling Rome, their blazed wings, how ruin nested inside each thimbled throat and made it sing until the notes threaded to this smoke rising from your nostrils. Speak until your voice is nothing but the crackle of charred bones. But don't laugh. When these walls collapse and only sparks, not sparrows, fly out. When they come to sift through these cinders and pluck my tongue, this fisted rose, charcoal and choked from your gone mouth. Each black petal blasted with what's left of our laughter. Laughter ashed to air, to honey, to baby. Darling, look, look how happy we are to be no one and still. American. So to begin with, I want to say a few words about Ocean Vong's background. Vong was born on a Vietnamese rice farm near Ho Chi Minh City and came to the USA in 1990 at the age of two as a refugee. Vong himself was the first in his immediate family who learned to read, with his reading journey only beginning at the age of 11. But read he did. The young poet developed quickly as a young writer and budding scholar until he finally burst onto the literary scene in 2016 with Night Sky with Exit Wounds. This collection of poems, from which Seventh Circle of Earth is taken, won him early comparisons to Emily Dickinson and led him to winning some of poetry's highest honours, such as the $50,000 Whiting Award. Night Sky with Exit Wounds was only the second ever debut collection of poetry to ever win the prestigious T.S. Eliot Prize. Vong, who, like the narrator of this poem, is an openly gay man, has spoken in interviews about the liberating world that opened up to him when he started to find his voice through language and writing. Moreover, he discovered how through the telling of stories, mostly about people like himself living on the margins of society, that he could start to influence the world around him, promote understanding and subtly advocate for change. In discussing the challenges of speaking up for those caught on the margins of society, Vong has said, I see the cost of what silence can do and how much effort there is to silence us and therefore the need to articulate becomes stronger than the fear. Ocean Vong now lives in Northampton, Massachusetts, where he serves as an assistant professor in the MFA program for poets and writers at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. 
One of the most important things to discuss when it comes to a poem is its form, structure and literary influences that it borrows from. Seventh Circle of Earth is a title with a clear connection to Dante's Inferno, a 14th century epic poem that tells the story of the author, Dante, and his spirit guide, Virgil, as they descend through what the medieval writer classified as the Nine Circles of Hell. Also referred to as the Divine Comedy, the Seventh Circle of Hell, described in Dante's poem, is of particular interest to Ocean Vong because this is thought to be the place where the sodomites and homosexuals are punished for all eternity. Poignantly, Vong subverts Dante's conception of hell in this poem by locating it in the here and now on earth rather than in hell. The flames that burn Michael Humphrey and Clayton Capshaw to death become for Vong manifestations of the fiery depths of hell themselves. And added to this, by using this provocative title, Vong is also pointing to the fact that these men were already forced into living subterranean lives of fear and persecution here on earth. Once you understand the literary connections to Dante, the poem opens up like a budding flower, displaying petals of exquisite wisdom. For example, the seven stanzas in the poem are each labelled with a number, that could be seen as representing a descent through Dante's first six levels of hell here on Earth until the seventh level is revealed as being America itself. But more on that idea in the line-by-line analysis section of the poem coming up shortly. The final important point to make about the form of the poem is to draw attention to the fact that the poem itself is actually blank, empty, and devoid of words. The point I'm trying to make here is hard to understand, but the start of the poem consists of blank lines and seven numbers that appear scattered in numeric order across and down the page. What do these spaces and numbers represent when you see them on the page? Well, the numbers represent footnotes that fall at the end of invisible and blank lines of poetry. See, it's absolutely brilliant. Vong is saying here the narrative of these gay men's lives is so marginalised and hidden from view in society that their lived reality is, in fact, basically invisible. Their story, written in invisible lines, is deemed to not have any inherent literary worth. In other words, their lives are consigned to live within the footnotes of history. And that's what he does. Thus, after the blank poem, Vong has written the actual words of the poem within footnotes at the bottom of the page. These footnotes represent the poem's stanzas that are forced to reside in a subterranean underworld just like these gay men. They are not permitted to have lives that can be openly read within the pages of the Book of Life. Vong himself explains that Seventh Circle of Earth is written to acknowledge the Eurasia of the voices of the marginalised and to restore their dignity as fully loving and passionate human beings. Vong himself says, and I quote, that for those in the margin who are perennially silenced, the footnote can be a place one gets to tell one's story. Just because the main stage has been obliterated does not mean all hope of speech is lost and perhaps taking over the primary space is not the only method of social change.
So in this section, I want to do a rather brief line-by-line analysis of the poem, picking up on some of the key ideas about the Eurasia of minority groups, the universal experience of love, and how those key ideas relate to the narrator's descent through the first seven circles of hell on earth. So let's begin with the first stanza, or should I say, footnote. One. As if my finger tracing your collarbone behind closed doors was enough to erase myself. To forget we built this house knowing it won't last. How does anyone stop regret without cutting off his hands? Another torch. In Dante's Inferno, the first level of hell was reserved for those stuck in a state of limbo and nothingness. For Dante, this also referred to those who did not know Christ such as the ancient Greek philosophers like Socrates. For Vong, this idea of limbo is made clear in the lines where the narrator describes their lives as being lived behind closed doors, and where the narrator describes the attempt to erase himself from the scrutiny and judgment of society. One interpretation here could be that the first circle of earth parallels the limbo in Dante's first circle of hell by pointing out how homosexual people are forced to live lives that are in limbo, unrecognised as full members of society and condemned to suffer from the effects of Eurasia and the tyranny of silence. Footnote 2, or should I say stanza 2, follows on from the phrase, another torch. 2. Streams through the kitchen window, another errant dove. It's funny. I always knew I'd be warmest beside my man. Don't laugh. Understand me when I say I burn best when crowned with your scent, that earth sweat and old spice I seek out each night, the days. Dante's second circle of hell was reserved for those who practiced lust in their lives. But lust here for Vong gets transformed, I think, from a sin to a celebration. The narrator describes how he feels like royalty inside this kingdom of love when he describes himself as being crowned by his lover's scent of earth sweat and old spice. The fires of condemnation for lustful living are here flipped into a kind of virtue. The torches streaming through the windows from the people gathered outside like a witch hunt can't actually terrorise the love being experienced inside the house. The third stanza, or footnote, reads, Three, refuse me. Our faces blackening in the photographs along the wall. Don't laugh. Just tell me the story again. The sparrows who flew from falling Rome, their blazed wings. How ruin nested inside each thimbled throat and made it sing. Dante's third circle of hell was reserved for those who lived lives of gluttony. In other words, it was where those who overindulged were consigned to a life of eternal torture. Once again, Vong echoes Dante's theme of gluttony in his third footnote or stanza, but again redeems it. In Vong's hands, gluttony becomes a life richly consumed and represented in the display of life in the burning photographs and memories on the wall. These photographs represent the shared happy moments and stories these men have experienced. It's a celebration of life, not a condemnation. These men fully indulged in their lives together, sucking the marrow out of their marginalised existence. Again, Dante's sin here is recast as a virtue. And more 
there's the emergence of hope here, and irony too. The reference to the doves fleeing burning Rome here conjures up the stories of Nero burning the ancient city to the ground and watching the birds escape. But the important point here is that in Rome back then it was the Christians who were the persecuted minorities. In this analogy, Vong reminds the readers that a marginalised group of people, ironically the Christians of that time, not only survived persecution but went on to flourish throughout history. And here, Vong might be suggesting that one day this experience of emancipation from oppression might be experienced by homosexuals too. In one particular story, that of the Christian martyr Polycarp, legend has it that the Romans tried to burn him to death for his Christian lifestyle, but he simply wouldn't burn. This led to a Roman centurion intervening in Polycarp's execution by piercing his skin with a sword, at which point a dove flew out. Either way, in both cases, the minority lived on beyond the oppression of the majority. And in this, there is a lot of hope. Now, we're actually running out of time in this podcast to adequately focus on the footnotes and stanzas 4, 5, 6 and 7. So I'm going to leave that task of working out the connections between Dante's epic poem and Vong's work up to you. You just need to be aware that in Dante's poem, the fourth circle was for the greedy, the fifth circle for the angry, the sixth circle was for heretics and the seventh circle was for those who practice violence. And this included violence against other people, the person themselves, or against God and nature. And of course, to Dante, the act of homosexuality was probably seen back then as an act of violence against God and God's nature and God's natural law. And hence, that is where the homosexuals were going to go, according to Dante. Now, while it's up to you to ponder these last circles, I will leave you with a few thoughts about that final seventh one. In my own view, I believe Vong turns this final circle of violence into an ode to the power of love. Vong shows how the passionate love between two gay men can shine more brightly than the flames of violence this gay couple had to endure in life. Michael Humphrey and Clayton Capshaw's hot, glowing embers of love survive at the heart of the inferno. Like the smouldering remains of a campfire, Vong manages to scrape back the ash to reveal the truth of their love lying underneath. Each black petal blasted with what's left of our laughter. Laughter ash to air, to honey, to baby darling. Look, look how happy we are to be no one and still American. Out of the ashes of the American dream, Vong points to the glowing embers of hope for a better future. Seventh Circle of Earth is clearly a stunning poem. The poem highlights deep flaws in modern society. 
while simultaneously preserving the dignity of marginalised voices consigned to the footnotes of history. This is a poem you should introduce your friends to. They need to read it. They need to hear it. And this, in turn, will hopefully lead to more people discovering Vong's wonderful work. Ocean Vong's striking body of work explores important themes of class, queerness and identity. His New York Times best-selling novel, On Earth We're Briefly Gorgeous, for example, is something I would encourage all readers to get their hands on. This novel is a lyrical, coming-of-age story of self-discovery and change. It's a book like this poem, which examines the meaning of American identity in a time of great global change and upheaval. It definitely warrants your attention. In the end, I just hope you got as much out of this poem as I did. But with that said, it's time for me to say goodbye. We'll finish here by listening one more time to the poem, set this time to a different piece of music. This poem is read by the fantastic Philip Freeman. Of course, if you're interested in exploring more of our work, feel free to check out Lit Poetry's YouTube channel or podcast series online. Or you can check out our website at www.litpoetry.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. On April 27, 2011, a gay couple, Michael Humphrey and Clayton Capshaw, was murdered by immolation in their home in Dallas, Texas, from the Dallas Voice. Seventh Circle of Earth by Ocean Vuong. As if my finger tracing your collarbone behind closed doors was enough to erase myself, to forget. We built this house knowing it won't last. How does anyone stop regret without cutting off his hands? Another torch streams through the kitchen window. Another errant dove. It's funny. I always knew I'd be warmest beside my man. But don't laugh. Understand me when I say I burn best when crowned with your scent. That earth sweat and the old spice I seek out each night. The days refuse me, our faces blackening in the photographs along the wall. Don't laugh. Just tell me the story again of the sparrows who flew from falling Rome, their blazed wings, how ruin nested inside each thimbled throat and made it sing until the notes threaded to this smoke rising from your nostrils. Speak until your voice is nothing but the crackle of charred bones. But don't laugh. When these walls collapse, 
and only sparks, not sparrows, fly out when they come to sift through these cinders and pluck my tongue, this fisted rose, charcoal and choked from your gone mouth. Each black petal blasted with what's left of our laughter, laughter ashed to air, to honey, to baby. Darling, look, look how happy we are to be no one and still American. You've been listening to the Lit Poetry Podcast, presented by James Laidler. For more podcasts, poetry videos, and other useful resources, visit our website at www.litpoetry.com. Thanks for listening.